This episode is brought to you by Southern Elegance Candle Company, where modern values meet Southern charm. Right now, check out their spring and summer collection with candle scents such as Celebration, Coastal Waters, and Farmer's Market. And our two personal favorites, Southern Sunshine, which fills the room with an amazing aroma of citrus and sugar, and Southern Nights, which is a blend of sandalwood and gooseberries. Be sure to visit secandlecode.com and use our promo code CRUX, that's C-R-U-X, for 15% off all regularly priced items. That's secandlecode.com, where they lovingly craft each scent and city combination to elicit a fond memory to whisk you to a place of pure joy. On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk a little NBA. Did you see what John Morant did? We've got some NFL coverage, including the NFL draft, big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go. Another all new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. Thank you, as always, for tuning in on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk. Or to be a part of the show, email us at Cliff, Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net. Or jump in on the Facebook group, Carolina Sports Talk Talks Back. I am excited to be back with you guys again. As always, I got my main man and yours, DJ High Star, with me. Dog Team, what's good, bro? What's good? What's good? Man, we right here cooling, man. How you been, dog? It's been a little minute. Long time, long time. Yeah, chilling, chilling. Uh, fresh off the plane from H-Town. Went down to Houston this past weekend uh, to celebrate with the fam. My sister's birthday, my oldest sister. Okay, how'd you guy? How was that? How was Houston, man? Was Houston good to you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, great eats and um, the airport situation is a little different. But going down there, going down there, everything was love as far as with the boot and the special assistance and everything like that. Okay, and um, coming back had to uh, had to ride the uh, yellow magic school bus in the sky. Uh, Spirit Airlines, so that was its own situation in itself. The real life um, soul plane. Wow, it was like that, bro? Worse. <laughs> Whatever you could think of is worse. Man, I ain't got no problem with Spirit. I've only flown him um, once. and it was and That's probably why you don't got no problem with them. And it was a, it's a early, early morning red eye straight to, D, uh, excuse me, to uh, D.C. And uh I had no issues. Now, granted, I wasn't on the plane, but an hour. But Bing Bong was in there and out of there. And uh, so, shout out to Spirit when they doing right. So, if you had uh, to go Spirit or Southwest, which way are you going? Southwest, easily. Oh, hands down. Like, there's um, not even a question for you. Yeah, no, nah, I just, I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. We're not going to make a commercial out of this. But no, spirits <laughs> and nah. <laughs> Charge for everything as well. It's uh, see now you got me interested. And seeing what the fo- what the folks got going on when when who they fly who you guys fly with man first question of the day hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line let us know man 
who do you fly with when you fly? But um, we're talking about flying, man. Time is actually flying. We are already with some teams locked into their second round matchups for the NBA playoffs. Uh, without further ado, man, let's talk a little bit of scores. Let's do it. Um, so, again, we're going to start with Monday's scores from April 25th. Uh, the Raptors beat the 76ers 103-88 to to go up, um, well, to try to catch up in that um, in that round 3-2 to two, where Philadelphia leads still. The Mavericks beat the Jazz 1-77, where Dallas leads that series 3-2. to two. And the Celtics close out the Brooklyn Nets in a clean sweep um, and beat them 116-112 to 112, uh, with a 4, again, a 4 nothing sweep while they advanced to the second round. Last night, Tuesday, April 26th, we had the Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves in a very close and a very good game, 111-109, to 109, uh, where Memphis leads that series 3-2. to two. The Suns beat the Pelicans uh, to go up Three to two in that round. One twelve to ninety-seven was the score in that uh, round in that position. And the Heat advanced to the second round by beating the Hawks um, ninety-seven to ninety-four, and end up doing a gentleman sweep with them, uh, winning the series four to one. So outside of these sweeps, we seem to have a pretty close, close uh, playoff series with a lot of the other the other teams. Tonight we've got the Bucks and the Bulls playing, where the Milwaukee leads that series three to one, and the Nuggets lead the uh, excuse me the Warriors are leading the Nuggets series um, three to one, and they're playing later on this evening as well. <sighs> I, w- I want to get to Brooklyn and everything like that, but I guess I'll start off in Atlanta with uh, Miami and Butlerless uh, uh, Heat taking care of business with the Hawks. Uh, what were your thoughts from that game? Good riddance. Um, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think the Hawks were a little bit undermatched. They, they caught some lightning in a bottle last season. Uh, and expecting them to kind of reproduce that was kind of like expecting your Knicks to be able to, you know, make some noise. Did you really? The yawn face? <laughs> exactly, bro. Nah, but nah, real, realistically, they were just overmatched, man. The Heat seemed like one of the teams, top two teams in coming out of the East. And, and that's saying a lot. Considering that the Bucks are playing the way they are, they're up on uh, over the Bulls already. Um, but yeah, the the Celtics and the and the Heat for me are the two top teams in the East. Um, it'd be interesting to see what, what what's what's gonna happen in this next round. But um, yeah, those are my two top teams. I just kind of expected it from Atlanta at this point. Um, I already said a couple of weeks ago how I felt about your boy Trey, uh, Ice Trey, if you would, whatever y'all want to call him. But yeah, nah. Yeah. On to the next. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, with um to. To the point of that we were making a, a week or two ago that um, some first round teams have some teams that they don't want to see mm-hmm. um, at the bottom of like as, as the bottom seeds. Um, I don't mind seeing Atlanta if I'm the top seed. You know what I'm saying? If you're the, if <laughs> you're the heat, it. it's just a good. Yeah. If you're the heat, it's a good warm up series to remind you that you're in the playoffs. You know, they gave them one game. OK. Y'all get that. We got a superstar that we need to, or, you know, in, in the eyes of most, a superstar or all-star, let's say an all-star. We go. got an I'll all-star that. that we need to shut down um, and focus on defensively. So let's just doing that. And um, outside of that, we're just playing the team of NBA guys. You know what I mean? You got Gallinari, got uh, Bogdanovich, um, Ella, 
So, you know, you've got some NBA guys you got to show respect to, but at the end of the day, you know, okay, they're, they're the, they're the eighth <laughs> seed or the seventh seed for a reason or whatever like that. You know, um, a lot of people didn't think that this, uh, the next series would go that way. Um, the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics, but, um, we spoke a little bit earlier this week and I had my own hot takes regarding it. Um, but first, what were some of your thoughts? It was clean for O sweep. Nets wasn't able. I saw a meme today, or a tweet today, rather, where it said, oh, man, Kevin Durant won just as many games as LeBron did this this postseason or whatnot, um, which is, you know, low-hanging fruit, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, but it's, to me, know. it's not even low-hanging fruit because it's it's a tree that bore fruit that just went sour real quick. At least, and it's, at least it bore the fruit to me. The, the Nets were a better team. I full, now I'm not gonna lie and say I saw this coming at all. Um, but the Celtics, like I said, are, have stepped up and they, they are kind of showing themselves to be the team to beat out there in the East. But um, yeah, it, they just had too much going on, and and then there's some drama that we'll talk about a little bit um, with with Ben Simmons and, and him not wanting to show up. Um, I gave the hot take. Uh, matter of fact, I gave you a hot take over the phone this week. Um, what do you think? You think I should drop it for the fans now or save save it for a big deal, no thing? I I mean, if you if you share yours, I'm gonna definitely share my hot take regarding everything, but yeah. Matter of fact, here come and I'm gonna edit all of this. Here comes our hot takes. It's hot. Oh, it's hot. So my hot take is Ben Simmons didn't play. And it's a lot less hot now, I guess, because, you know, time has come. But Ben Simmons didn't play because he was afraid. There's been some um, information coming out that says that he, in fact, has, quote unquote, the back pain that is brought on by stress of just being scared at this point. (laughs) Being scared of basketball, man. So it's a hot take that. Ben Simmons will not play basketball again for the well ever really for the Nets. I believe I, I believe yeah. when I see it. So and I was gonna say I was definitely gonna make the point, you know, that you know, I think our conversation was prior to some of these reports that came out regarding his mental health and all of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that's yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later, definitely. Okay. My hot take personally. Hold up, hold up, um, I, gotta get, I gotta get to you now. I gotta get to you. Pause. It's hot. Hot takes. So my hot take was pretty much that um they they did they did not get a full Kyrie. Kyrie expended mm-hmm. uh, the majority of his energy. Game one gave all that he could give. Game two gave you know pretty much about seventy percent of what he could give. But that essentially um, Ramadan caught up with the brother. And I believe that he just physically uh, was spent and and was not able to able to go um, partly due to to the regimen of Ramadan and, um, you know, and not eating or drinking fluids and stuff like that while the sun was out. Um, I think that it was definitely a valiant effort. The first game, a second game uh, definitely gave what he could, but. You know, that combined with um, Boston's game plan, defensive game plan, 
definitely sent them home early. Uh, I think and from I definitely want to give Boston his credit as well. They're very sound and, and disciplined defensively. Um, from game one, they had a game plan with Kevin Durant and really bothered him, um, kept him. I mean, it, with the playoffs and playoff basketball, you want to always play physically. Their physicality seemed to usurp that of the Brooklyn Nets. So every time Kevin Durant tried to get to his spot, you might have somebody bugging him like a Marcus Smart or something like that, pushing him off of his spot. And while he's trying to regain position and get to his spot, you've got somebody, a second person like a Jason Tatum coming around, swiping at the ball. And again, you're going to, you know, you got six fouls to play with. So you're going to risk getting in foul trouble and stuff like that with a game plan like that. But that was a risk that Boston was willing to take and gamble on. And, and they, they came out the victors. They, they definitely came out on the winning side of that. A lot of what Boston was able to do based on just the personnel. Um, every time Kyrie touched the ball, he was being double teamed. Every time that um, your boy, the slim Reaper touched it, he was getting double teamed. And so I, I don't see them being able to, even without Chris Middleton, I don't see them being able to do Milwaukee, which what is what it looks like. I would love to see Boston versus Chicago, but um, it's looking more like it's going to be a Milwaukee matchup for Boston in the second round. But I don't think they have the personnel um, to 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 do what they did to the Brooklyn Nets to the Milwaukee Bucks, and so it will be interesting to see kind of how they they move forward with that. Uh, which one of the other first round um, kind of series is intriguing you right now that? Because there's some good basketball all the way around, but which one is kind of stepping out or sticking out to you? Really, the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I like how close that series is. The Pelicans and the Suns is interesting to me. I think that the Suns are on a mission. And then Quiet has kept the Raptors and the 76ers. Uh, there's been rumblings and, and uh, graphics and memes and stuff up regarding Doc Rivers and his uh, inability to close out series when he's up three games or when his team has three games. So we're going to see kind of the, the fortitude of the, of the 76ers, excuse me, and, and the Raptors and see what, what kind of, what kind of killer instinct that the 76ers have, if they could put the Raptors away because they started off very, very hot and um, allowed the Raptors to kind of get back in this thing and gave them some life. Yeah, injuries, again, play a huge part of it. Um, Joel Embiid's hand, um, although offensively he was still able to produce with, I think, 27 and 11, um, he just still ain't quite himself. Definitely on the defensive side. Um, in the last game that they played, he was he allowed uh, 32 points as the primary defender, which um, is way above his season average of 17 and above even his playoff average prior to that game, which was only nine. So, um yeah, it, it it remains to be seen if that injury is hurting him or bothering him a bit more. But ultimately, again, first round with the, most of these matchups is just going to be chalk to me. I, I don't I don't see a lot of lower seeds. I felt like um, Brooklyn might have been the best team to have the chances to knock off a higher seed. Um, but yeah, you mentioned another one with the Pelicans and the Suns. Um, I called the Pelicans, man, um, going back to the trade deadline when they first got CJ McCollum and when they beat the Lakers a couple of times. I said, this is a good team. And and, and jokingly, I said, CJ McCollum for MVP, but he has stepped up and added a, a, a steadying hand to this offense. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but Zion is either coming back or is going to be a piece that they can trade and add some 
even more depth or another couple of veteran players to this nucleus. And New Orleans is going to be something like what, no matter what they do, um, down three two right now um, with the, uh, after Game Five last night. Um, no matter what they do in this postseason, next year they're going to be trouble. They remind me a, a lot of what Miami was when they were first starting to kind of round into shape. And although they don't have a whole bunch of superstars, they got a bunch of guys doing their players. CJ McCollum has the opportunity, has the propensity and the potential to be a superstar. Um, and, and and your man, um, oh, why is his name slipping me, slipping my mind? Um, used to be a Laker. Oh, well, a bunch of them used to be Lakers. But uh, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram looks more like KD in this postseason, postseason than KD does. And honestly, B.I. is playing at another level. And if he continues to just develop like he has every year, coming back offseason, putting in the work, um, they're going to be trouble out there in the West next year, man. Yeah. Um, one other series that I definitely wanted to get to, of course, uh, is going to be the the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies. But before we get to them, one uh, lower seed that you failed to mention um, that I've kind of, you know, of course, champion forever, uh, you know, the Warriors, of course, and what they're doing out there um, against Denver. So we shall see kind of how that plays out this evening. You, uh, you know why I left yeah. them out? Denver frustrates themselves. Why? Can you really say the way that they are playing that the war? Like, I get the, the, the seeding numbers, but right. the Warriors they're had technically. Yeah. But the, and then again, they're, um, I know I don't. I'm not looking. I'm not studying Denver. Like Denver's a six seed, Golden State's a three. I'm not. No, no, not even. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Yeah. So, um, it's still a, it's a good matchup. Denver is very, very clearly not built roster wise to hang with Golden State, especially when they do the. What What are we going to call it this week? Like the three D, um, or three G. Um, death lineup part two. What, 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 what are we going to call it, bro? Have we decided? Yeah, I mean, no, no, we haven't. I don't think the NBA's decided really. But yeah, with the, when the, the boy Jordan plays pool ball. lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pool party time. Let's get it. Um, yeah, yeah, they're fun to watch. Uh, is is that? I'm assuming. Uh, I'm not gonna put you on the spot. I'm assuming that's your you pick the ride out the rest of the way through. You want to see Golden State win the chip? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Uh, okay. That's just, you know, that's the squad. Uh, Bay Area. But um, outside of that, uh, my other favorite team right now that's playing is Memphis. Uh, I was down in Houston for one of those games where Memphis took a took a loss to Minnesota. Pretty close game. And then uh, yesterday evening on Tuesday, the 26th, they, they you know, won another close contest out there in Memphis. That was the whole game. I was hoping that um, that they would not lose because they were in Memphis and, um, and they pulled it out, man. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, shout out to, uh, Usher doppelganger, Ja Morant's father, but also if I'm not mistaken, Claflin university alumni, Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Ja's yeah, dad did go to Claflin. Shout out. T Morant. Um, you know, our profile Big E, he's one of the first guys that kind of put me on to that and, and, and told me about that. Um, knows him on a first name basis and everything like that. Um, but yeah, shout out to Sumter's, you know, very own. I guess they made Sumter their home after their uh, days at days in Orangeburg at Claflin. Uh, but, you know, the Grizzlies, um, they, they beat uh, the Timberwolves 111 to 109. 
Uh, John Morant ended the game or had a game-winning shot, a game-winning left-handed layup uh, with leaving like one second left in the game. But that wasn't the uh, highlight to make all of the noise. Mm. Um, They called it a jawbreaker on live on air. But, uh, you know, he took off pretty much from the semicircle uh, and and posterized uh, one of the Timberwolves. And it was just, uh, you know, it was it was one of those things, man. I saw it live. I'm not sure if you if you caught it live or not, but it was that was a sight to see uh, that 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 dunk, that posterizing dunk that he made. I missed it live. I did go back and watch the replays. And when they played it, I was like. Oh Lord, the yeah, the tenacity and the grit that that dude plays with, man. Like I said it when he came in the league, that he has the potential to reach Mamba level, dog. And I and I'm sticking with it. Like I see it in him. I see that that hunger. And, and every year he has gotten better. Um, and this postseason, he's just elevating his game to another level. And just the swag, the look in his eyes, man. You can tell he 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 clicking on different frequencies right now, man. I just want to see the young bull continue to grow, continue to elevate and, and keep, keep, keep that, that edge, man. That grit is really, really, really carrying his game even farther than, you know what I'm saying? His athleticism has allowed it to be right. at, at this point. So shout out to John Moran, South Carolina's own man. Yeah. Carolina kid. Um, and a couple other uh, notes from that game. I do want to give Ant-Man his credit. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, um, just dropping threes like, like Rain Man yesterday. Um, making several difficult shots. Uh, but the, the same things that make you laugh, make you cry. And for the same reasons that they are there, as far as the newly infused um, tenacity that they have um, a lot due to Pat Beverly, as you stated um, last week, you know, with, with his makeup or his uh, genetics kind of all over that, that team pause. Um, that's that uh how should i put it that boasting that confidence if you will that swagger mm-hmm. it it triggered one john morant and and the rest of the grizzlies yesterday to where it's like oh y'all could talk trash we could do it too um you know y'all y'all not you're not like that in other words you know what i'm right, saying right, a lot right. of times especially in the league that brings out another another level that unlocks another level of competition from from certain guys and, and John Morant's one of those guys that if you play with him play with him pause the right way you're gonna get um you're gonna get what you ask for definitely and, and that's exactly what happened um but to your point it's definitely uh one of the one of the front runners as far as like the, the future leaders of this league and it adds to the parity that we'll see um it's completely in another series and stuff like that. But what a shame that we don't get to see a Jamal Murray mm-hmm. uh, in the, in these playoffs, you know? Um, so there's, there's certain guys. And, and honestly, you know, if you, if you are a Jamal Murray, you don't get healthy and get right. And like you said, we'll talk about it later. You might end up like a Ben Simmons where your confidence takes a hit because all these other guys that are really doing their thing. Um, you got Donovan Mitchell's out there, the world. So you just, a lot of young, young talent. A lot of these guys have turned in. I, I heard somebody call Brandon Ingram a veteran the other day and I just couldn't, can't, uh, 
deny that. You know, you exactly. look at Chris been Middleton. Been on right. teams. Yep. Look at Chris Middleton. That's a young veteran now. Um, you know, so you, you got the younger, younger guys that are making a name for themselves. And then you got those guys that that came in after way after LeBron, um, but that have been looking to kind of etch their their name in the in the uh you know NBA history books and stuff like that and do their thing performance wise. So it's it's a it's a great look. It's a it's a good looking future for the league right now. Absolutely, absolutely. As we peek ahead, I guess, into the second round, uh, let's just assume that all things that stand hold moving forward, it looks like we're we're gonna get a Golden State and Memphis matchup in the second round and bottom half of the bracket and then the top um Phoenix is going to be looking to play uh, Dallas in those two matchups, Phoenix and Dallas. Who do you like between the two and who do you like between Golden State and Memphis? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the Golden State um, is going to be my pick regardless. It'll be all the way through as the, yeah, as the matchups go on, we're going to see, you know, great playoff basketball. Um, but I'm choosing Phoenix in the second round as well, ha- um, given that they that they advance. I don't really like making these picks right now because, again, it's it's the the playoffs where where anything anything can happen. I'm not ever surprised at um, an underdog winning a game and shifting in the mo- shifting the momentum of a series right. um, whenever it comes to the playoffs. So. Um, but, but yeah, just to answer your question, I, I see like perhaps a Phoenix, um, Golden State showdown in the, in the championship. Okay. Now, when it comes to the East, um, Miami's already locked up their spot in the second round as has Boston. Um, so Miami is awaiting the winner of the Philly and Toronto. So let's slate Philly into that, uh, Miami and Philly, who you got. And then in, on the other end, Boston and let's go ahead and slate in Milwaukee. Who do you have in those two? Well, like again, with those, like I just want to make that disclaimer. I don't, I don't. We, really we like, get it, bro. You disclaim, nah, because <laughs> because no, I'm, I'm just saying because there's a. I don't want like Toronto performs and stuff like that. I don't, I don't like the surprising faces, the jaws to the ground. Oh, did you see what Toronto did? It's like no, it's the playoffs. Right, they have, One they have team basketball team. Fire, eggs, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, giving your scenarios and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I, I would, you know, I would see Boston and, and Milwaukee kind of in a, in a, um, I suppose a championship uh, round. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like um, you said, Boston kind of, and Milwaukee. Or they are they kind of slated to play the no. next? Uh, yeah, they're, Milwaukee they're and Boston. Path. Yeah, would play each other in the next round if Milwaukee wins. Right. Um, so, so I mean, I would see. I'd say like Boston and in Miami. Okay. Um, yeah, out of the two, uh, but yeah, that's just that's just hypothetic. Definitely hypothetically speaking, with that. Yeah, for sure. One more thing before we just head out of the NBA. I saw online this weekend um, a comment that made me just really say, man. It stated that the trade between Philadelphia and Brooklyn was the first ever lose-lose trade in the history of the NBA. 
Um, and it got me to thinking, man, that it very well might be. We've had a lot of who won the trade, who lost the trade, but never I, that I can think of that two major superstars uh, or even two stars, two former all-stars were traded where it ended up being a lose-lose for them. We all know that James Harden is not who the player that he once was as recently as last year. Um, there's a lot of rumors that um, he's wanting Mike D'Antoni to be the coach out there in Philly because uh, even we, we look back to his Houston days, we saw how he performed last year. Under, and even though Mike wasn't a head coach, he was there on the bench. Um, and then when he, would, when he wasn't, James Harden wasn't himself. And so it, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see how long Doc is able to hold off. I know the 3-1 thing has been a thing for him, as has um, his performance so far with this even if he I, he just can't be the first coach to lose a 3-0 lead. I just I just I hate it for him. Even though he's got his chip in 08, that's going to be his last, lasting legacy that. Yeah, you got that first one, but after that you've just given up three three leads, like three game leads like it ain't nothing. So, be interesting to see and keep an eye on to move forward. Anything else you want to highlight with the NBA before we move over? Yeah, no, I again, to your point, I'm rooting for Philly to go ahead and and get this thing over with uh, just so that you don't have to hear the cornrow Canadian Drake and any <laughs> kind of trash talk from him. Because when they went up 3-0, you saw on the sideline with Joel Embiid, he goes up to Drake and he's like, um, you know, we, 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 might, we might sweep y'all. We're probably going to sweep y'all or something like that. And kind of concedes and when you look at his face. Um, and... I just, yeah, I don't want to see any kind of fake confidence or whatever like that to give into us from Drake regarding, like, these playoffs and stuff like that. Gotcha, gotcha. We'll check it out and keep an eye open. But uh, in keeping an eye open, right around the corner, y'all, it's that time. And I don't know about you, but I'm waiting for these little bells. Thursday starts the first round of the NFL draft, and it is set to be a good one, man. I am excited. Um, last year we did a mock draft for you guys. This year we're not gonna not gonna get it to you too bad. We will. We did kind of look through a couple of different writers, um, and, and and in searching, bro, I looked and I came across one that stuck out to me the most. Um, Bucky Barnes, Bucky Barnes, Lord have mercy. Uh, <laughs> what is Bucky's last name? Um, Bucky over at the NFL Network does some really good work. Um, and I, other than him, I try to re- really stay away from NFL.com because it's just it's very, very skewed based on, like, the league and everything. But um, Charles Davis did one, um, a mock draft that kind of stood out to me. And we're going we're gonna to dissect the top ten on this one a little bit. Um, for those of you out in listener land, uh, the top ten uh, draft order stands as Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one overall pick followed by the Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, the Jets with pick number four. Number five belongs to the New York Giants. Six, your Carolina Panthers. The Giants at number seven, Atlanta Falcons at eight, Seattle with the ninth pick, which was a result of the trade with Denver. And then the Jets have another pick at number 10. Um, This draft has been filled, and I've been saying it really since – the beginning of the football season in college, that this draft would be filled with offensive linemen and with cornerbacks. What kind of took a step up for me that I did not anticipate, but I definitely understand was the wide receiver position. There are a lot of great wide receivers. um, And honestly, 
everything for me revolves around what happens with the number four pick and the number six pick. Um, as, as I mentioned in last year's draft, there are certain positions that kind of or certain spots in the top 10, which really can hinge how everything else is going to move and how everything else is going to go forward. Um, the number four spot, because the New York Jets are very likely going to trade for Debo Samuels out of San Francisco. And as such, that that may include the fourth pick. It may include the 10th pick. But either way, I think that's going to have some some heavy ramifications on the top 10. And then also, as I've been just praying, Lord, you hear your servants cry right now, Lord. I'm praying that the Panthers find a way to trade back out of the number six pick. But uh, in this mock draft, um, he's got the Jets sticking with that pick at number four. Um, so in in Charles's top uh, mock mock top ten, he's got Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, the defensive lineman, going at number one. Aiden Hutchinson, um, that just all world edge out of Michigan, going number two to the Lions. Number three, he's got Iki Ikwowu, uh, offensive tackle out of NC State, and then at number four, Sauce Gardner. Now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Robert Sala's style with the his old mantra, all gas, no break. Um, but sauce fits every bit of that um, out of Cincinnati, man. The guy is, is a long defender who, who's got a nose for the ball. He's got great top end speed. He's got good cover speed and he's instinctual, man. If there is a way, like if one through five pick their, like just bump their heads and be like, yeah, now nah, we're good. I know we just picked. A cornerback last year, I, I, but with Gilly gone from us, um, with us losing some 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 very serious players in the secondary, I would love to see Sauce fall in number six, and I'd be okay knowing that we need a quarterback, knowing that we need offensive linemen. I'd be good with taking him in number six. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, sounds sounds valid. I've just kept an eye outside of you know who the the number one pick and the number two pick has been. Um, projected to be kept an eye on where Jordan Davis, you know, Charlotte's very young, mm-hmm. where he's kind of been um, projected to go. And then also the number of picks that the Jets and the Giants do have in the first round period. So they, the Jets definitely have some, um, some house money to play with and, and some leverage that they can kind of throw around whenever it comes to something like the Debo Samuel uh, transaction. Yeah, definitely. And now, as you mentioned, Jordan Davis, according to Charles's uh, mock draft here, um, they've got him listed at number 14 going to the Baltimore Ravens. So they do have him listed as a top half of the first round. A couple other names to go ahead and mention out here on the list. At number six, he does actually have the Carolina Panthers drafting an offensive lineman, uh, the tackle out out of Alabama, junior Evan Neal. Now, I think he he's can be projected to play either on the left or on the right um, in a multitude of positions, which for the offensive line that we have would be a good look. It gives him the flexibility to play right away or to take some time and really groom himself into a left tackle. Um, as you set, kind of search through the top 10, we do have a, Carolina, a couple of Carolina players um, that are slated to be potential top 10, including, like I said, Jordan Davis, who is from Charlotte. But then we've got a Clemson uh, player, Clemson side and cornerback Andrew Booth, is projected to go number 18 to the Eagles. Um, so definitely I'm excited for the draft. I know a lot of folks um, don't like the pomp and circumstance, so so to say, but it really it really leads to what your team is going to be. Um, 
through the free agency that's already happened, the next step is going to be this draft and kind of plugging in some of these new players to see exactly where they fit in. Um, one player that I'm excited to see is Nicobe Dean out of University of Georgia, the middle linebacker. He's a little bit small, but he reminds me so much of Luke, how intelligent he is, how um, how he just knows where to be, how he can cut through the blocks, how like, he's just got, got a nose. For, like he is just... We need him in, in in Carolina. So if we could figure out a way to trade back, get that guy, get our quarterback, whatever, whatever. Because, uh, like, even with this particular draft, Kenny Pickett doesn't go until the 32nd pick to the Detroit Lions. So who knows? We shall definitely see. Uh, as we're talking about the NFL, the Carolina Panthers owner has been back in the news with his press conference recently. And uh, <laughs> not only is he in the news, but uh, what, what what about the city? Yeah, and Rock Hill's been back trending on, on Twitter. I just shook my head when I saw it, so opened it up, but it was it was some Tepper talk. The Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper gives votes of confidence to coach Matt Rule and quarterback Sam Darnold. This after a couple of days that Sam Darnold confirmed that the Carolina Panthers quote informed him that they would likely take a quarterback in the draft. There's very. The, the reports that are coming out are encouraging, and I'm doing the air quotes, because it, it, it seems like they're talking to one another. They're they're making the game plan. They're ch- t- making a list and checking it twice. But in reality, I believe it when I see it. Um, whether or not they're going to take a quarterback early, whether or not they plan to put that out there just so teams think they're going to take a quarterback and they're able to trade, uh, to, to whatever the case may be. Um, even this, this vote of confidence um, Matt Rule went five and eleven in his first season, and five and twelve in his second. Um, and 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 I know I've been the proponent, the one f- for a long time, saying that yo give him a chance, let him let him let him come in. It's his third season that he begins to turn it around. They have given him the rope, the vote of confidence, the personnel selections that have been made, um, even turning the, the 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 power majoritively over to not so much him, but having him give a lot of input into Federer, uh, Scott Federer, our GM. They're giving him the things that he needs to either fail or succeed this year. And it's his third season. It's the time to put up or shut up. It's, it's that magic moment for him. So um, we shall see. Um, the yeah. comment- <laughs> Go ahead. Now I was going to say, and so when I went to kind of research why Rock Hill was trending and stuff, um, there was a bunch of this Tepper talk, but it was like uh, – Gassing up the idea that, oh, David Tepper finally responds to all of the the talk about um, the headquarters and, and this and that. And he ends up giving this mayonnaise response of like very PR response of, uh, well, I'll respect the city of Rock Hill and um, and what they choose. I forget how he worded it, but. Pretty much what they what they say, I'll, I'll respect that and not engage in a back and forth with them with regards to why this isn't going forward. And it's like, no, nah, bro, we want the tea. Right. Now, now they tell up, us man? the truth. They're like, go ahead. Yeah. You can rock with us or not, nah, bro. Don't keep me exactly. waiting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, outside of that, he said some uh, some obvious things. Uh, being at this, the Carolina Panthers, there's no better place for them to play other than Charlotte, where it's a city that's kind of right there between a major city between both States. And 
We're not looking pretty much. I like the location of the stadium right now. We're not looking to move the team or anything like that. So it wasn't anything exciting at all. Uh, but the headline definitely grabbed grabbed me and 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 made me research. Yeah, and and so shout out to the writers. They did that, but ultimately that we shall see what happens and that's 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 all i got that's all i'm gonna give it to it because i'm not putting any confidence i'm not excited i uh, came across a memory of 2019's draft when they hosted a party there in the stadium um and we were able to draft brian burns and just all throughout um all throughout that event and that day it was just excitement and like when I heard Brian Burns, like I got excited and was hollering. I was like, yeah, woo, fans, yeah. Not so much this year. It's like, all right, let, let's go. Who 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 you doing? Who you who you drafting? What, what are you doing? Um, it's a wait and see very much so for me. I've heard a lot of other teams talking with an Atlanta Falcons fan. Um, they're excited about Mary, Mariota down there. They're, they're glad for some changes. I'm just hoping that they're trash and we're not. <laughs> um, my goal is that we can win 10 games. Um, and it's literally a heart goal because nothing that is where we are constructed right now says 10 games. But saying, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The draft will will tell a story. I, I'll, I'll say that with where they go with quarterback, with what they do strategically, whether they're able to trade back, whether they're able to get additional assets or if they're just kind of stuck picking where they are. It, it, it'll say a lot with how aggressive he is with where they believe they can be with the upcoming season moving forward. Just before we move forward, I want to bring you a quick word from greatmarketingsolutions.net. If you've got any need for logos or graphic content creation or social media management, hit up the good folks over at Great Marketing Solution for all of your content needs, and they'll be happy to get you taken care of. Mention the code BIGCLIFF, and they will give you 15% off your first purchase. So Great Marketing Solutions. Dot net. Next up, it is time for Big Deal, No Thing. That's a big nah, deal. that ain't no thing. You know the segment, we give you some headlines in sports, tell you if it's a big deal or not a thing. First up, Stephen A. Smith calls Ben Simmons the most pathetic athlete ever. Big deal or no thing? Uh, um, let's, go, let's go with big deal. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. Why you say? Oh, so you're you're going with no thing? I am. Gotcha. Um, and I was leaning toward that, but uh, it's it's I've got this is weighted, but um, <laughs> Stephen, hey, he, he makes his 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 and butter, if you will, or his living off of uh, one of his main things is that I don't attack personally. Um, I I just go off of what I see. Um, and you could tell he was definitely intentional about this yep. in this statement. Whenever he said it, you could tell that he thought about it all night and was kind of basting over it before he got on air um, and made sure to try to um, to hedge it by being professional. But you could tell that he wanted to say the most pathetic N word that I've seen in, <laughs> you know, and wanted to really keep it barbershop. But um I just say it's a big deal again uh, because uh, the jig is up. Uh, a lot of everybody is starting to see what what the whole Ben Simmons experiment is, and, and whether it's clutch sports that's got this thing going on, or his family that's got this thing going on. We know in the NBA you can collect that check um, or whatnot, and now that the 
the reasons and the justifications are coming out, it's not really adding up to, um, to everyone's expectations. People are starting to call them out and, uh, it's going to be put up or shut up time. I, I, um, it's interesting that, that, you know, the, what you heard as far as the lose, lose trade thing. I think that, um, as it stands, Philly is going to always be on the top of this trade, just, uh, in availability and, and stuff like that. And, and the fact that James Harden is somebody that's not ever afraid to shoot the basketball, uh, similar to a Russell Westbrook, whether I'm going through a, a cold or streak <laughs> or slump, yeah, or not, I'm going to still shoot the rock. So, you know, this, this Ben Simmons thing as a whole is becoming a bigger deal than I would really like it to be. And then you conflate it with, uh, that the Nets exit out of the playoffs and how they were, how they were escorted out of the playoffs. Um, and keep it at big deal. Here's Shout out to Jamie Foxx real quick too. Who <laughs> called Stephen A out. Yeah. Yeah. I did peep that too. Um, here's my thing. And here's why it's no deal for me. No thing for me. Stephen A. Smith makes his living, as you mentioned, talking for a life for a living. He, he does a TV show much the same way that we do this. In 2011, when LeBron James and the Miami Heat lost the NBA Finals to the Dallas Mavericks, he then said that LeBron shouldn't have arms to shoot a basketball (laughs) in the fourth quarter and how he was trash and he was going to shrink and he was this and he was that. And he spoke emphatically about that young man. Um, And this coming from a guy, again, y'all know Big Cliff. Y'all know I'm not a LeBron fan. But he spoke terribly about him as a player and said how he was not clutch and he would never win anything. Here we stand 11 years later, and LeBron James is a four-time NBA champion, having won the next two after that year immediately, and another with the Cavs and another with the Lakers. I'm not saying Ben Simmons is going to win multiple championships, whether Thank it be you. with Thank any you. team or anything. I will say, however... That as a young player who is very clearly have having some mental issues and some mental health issues and or even the capacity that you mentioned where there may be some people in his ear with regards to leadership and or image management or whatever saying, hey, now nah, is not the time or hey, not now nah, because you don't have nothing to gain and it's a bigger picture. Whatever the case may be, he is young enough and athletically gifted enough that if he can get his head straight, if he can get what's between his ears straight not only do I think he can be amazing and be a superstar again, but it wouldn't shock me to see him win an NBA championship. Not multiple. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be LeBron, but the, the way that they have um, pontificated about LeBron being one thing and he's shown and proven himself to be different, yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. They said the same thing about Ja, that he wasn't going to do this, and he was just a, a, another more athletic uh, version of uh, – your boy that was in L.A., Blake Griffin, um, and and he was an MVP favorite for much of the the season and leading his player, his team, getting ready to be into a second-round playoff matchup. So, for me, it's not a thing because at the end of the day, Ben Simmons has the time and the capability to prove himself to be an all-star quality player. So, not the most pathetic ever. Stephen A. is wrong yet again. Next up. Earl J.R. Smith earned Student Athlete of the Year Award from North Carolina A&T with a 4.0 GPA. Big deal or no thing? 
Uh, big deal. That's a big deal. I agree. Big deal. That's a big deal. And before we even get into it, I got to give a shout out to the brother, man. Congratulations to J.R. Smith for going to college. We know that he's out there playing uh, golf on the golf team and still actually doing the work. Like Now, ain't nobody, I, I, I really hope that, that there's no one who thinks, oh man, he's not out there partying because there's a 98.5% chance that he's out there getting it in. But he's getting to work too. So shout out to the 4.0. Uh, why you say it's a big deal? Yeah, no, it's just for some of those same reasons. Um, really is no nonsense. I think at this age, the age that he's at right now, uh, he may be, uh, have a year or two over me, but, um, you know, whenever it comes to certain goals academically and stuff like that, we know what the end goal is and stuff like that. You have your whys and you're going to get it. And then the other point to, to your point, when you're at an HBCU, such as A&T, um, you're going to, you're going to find your, your study circle, inner circle. Um, so mm-hmm. there's going to be those, uh, friends and those colleagues that are going to make sure that you don't, that you, that you do succeed and that you don't fail. Um, so, you know, it's definitely kudos to him. I think a lot of the basketball team, because the people don't know, you know, he had his years of eligibility still because he came into, to the league straight out of, um, straight out of high school. Um, so I think a lot of the basketball team wanted him to use his eligibility, you know, actually hooping, which would be ridiculous, but, um, you know, shout out to him, you know, uh, doing his thing on the golf course and, uh, in, in the classroom as well. Yeah. For real, for real, big deal for all of the same reasons and much of what I said earlier. Um, you're taking a serious man and, and, he, and he's getting a degree feeling the promises to himself and the family around him. So shout out to J.R. Smith. Next up, NCAA President Mark Emmert steps down effective June 2022. Big deal or no thing? Um, historically, and, and it's documented on the show, I'm going to say no thing. Which is not actually the... All right. Thanks for the, the <laughs> horns. Nah, that ain't no thing. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. That's a big <laughs> And go deal. the other way around. Why you say it's no thing? Now, I've been kind of forecasting um, moves like this happening uh, for a while, especially on the show. Um, so just with me, I'm going to say no thing uh, because, again, it's something that the writing's been on the wall where there's going to be some major changes and stuff um, going on with the NCAA for years to come. Uh I don't want to say it's a sinking ship, but you know, it's uh, <laughs> but it's a sinking ship. <laughs> yeah. It's an organization that's going to be needing some restructuring, some rebranding um, and the way that things are going right now and trending. It's not, it's not the way that they forecast it. Let's just put it like that. See, but to me, everything you just said makes the argument as to why this is a big deal. Um, Emmert is the figurehead and literally the anchor that has been holding the NCAA back for years. Um, and I, I think his removal or, or his retirement or whatever they're calling it is is a big major step to getting that facelift that the entity needs if it is going to attempt to even sustain. Um, the, it, it, I don't think that it immediately decreases the likelihood that um, the Power Five separate and form their own entity, but I do think that it saves 
enough face depending upon whom they put into the position moving forward to allow there to be some hope for at least the remaining members to kind of stay there and, and, and to have something left. So um, I think him being out of there is a big deal uh, and it is definitely going to mark the change in one way significantly or another for the NCAA. Last up on Big Deal No Thing, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers restructured Tom Brady's deal to free up $9 million in cap space. Let me read that again. The New England Patriots, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have restructured Tom Brady's deal to free up $9 million in cap space. Big deal or no thing? Uh, I'm going to go with big deal. That's a big deal. I really don't want to. Do, I don't want to do this. Oh, I don't want to do this. But that's a big deal. I'm a rock waiter. Go ahead. Why you say? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want to as well. I was kind of reluctant as well. But um, just only because we've seen this. We've seen this story time and time again. Uh, I call it a big deal because it just shows Tampa Bay seriousness and in, in wanting to compete this year and wanting to win. They're going to be serious about going after a good. A free agent um, or for that matter, the money that's been freed up, grab them a good two um, mm-hmm. kind of mid-level tier uh, superstars or stars rather to, to kind of build around uh, Tom Brady and help Tom Brady as well. Uh, one of the main things with that is that they're in our division. That part. So, that part. You know. <laughs> And that's exactly why I didn't want to even give it the acknowledgement that it was. But it sh- again, it shows the commitment that Brady has to winning. He has consistently, even with the nod to, to New England, that's how he for so many years always had a squad because the money that most quarterbacks take and say, no, uh, y'all going to have to pay me this $40 million, this $35 million, this whatever million per year. And uh, I'm just going to keep getting beat up by here. Tom Brady would literally say, nah, take that, convert it. Give me all of the money in the salad. You know I'm going to be who I'm going to be. My consistency is what it is. He mentioned on um, the finale of his um, man in the hall, man in the mirror, man in the game, man on the field, whatever it was, the documentary series that he did with ESPN um, when he was discussing leaving t- um, New England and was opening up his you know recruitment, essentially. He's like, every team except for like a couple who've got their locked-in guys wants me and if they don't they're crazy it's like what's wrong with you that you don't want me and you don't want to win um that mentality alone just shows who the guy is and why he is the goat of quarterbacks um and so for him to continually um, give back or to take less or to make sacrifices in order to win and to put the back he knows he's good with money like at that point money is what it is but um no he's willing to take that sacrifice and it is beyond me why most quarterback more quarterbacks don't take and follow that lead so yeah, it's a big deal. I'm hoping that it don't work out for him, but unfortunately, Gronk's still out there, um, and Dominican Sue is still out there, so that money could very well help bring the band back together the way they want and kind of make another run at the Super Bowl. So that's going to be it for Big Deal No Thing. Next up, we have Nothing to Do with Sports, where we talk about winning time, rise of the Showtime Lakers, available on HBO. I do want to provide the disclaimer. Spoiler alerts will proceed or follow this statement also winning time is not carolina sports talk they do some stuff we don't do around here so viewer discretion is advised with that high star if you would go ahead and man intro them to this amazing episode this week bro yeah it was a definitely an awesome episode this week 
Um, it starts with one of the anecdotes by Jerry Buss, uh, Dr. Buss, um, where he's talking about the mile and uh, the origins of the mile, the four minute mile and, and people conquering it. And the, the underlying theme in his whole anecdote regarding it is that the impossible is possible with the power of the mind. Um, they then go and cut to the Lakers winning. Uh, I want to say it was against the Rockets, but as they get into the locker room, um, Paul Westhead, he, uh, he changes their record on the, uh, on the blackboard and changes the 39 wins to 40 wins, which was indicative of them being number one in the West at the time. Um, and he also puts uh, an updated record for the Celtics out there in the East where they were, um, you know, a number one on their side of the, uh, of the country. So at that time, he's pretty much telling them to, in so many words, to stay humble, but that a championship is in their sights. That's when the team with Pat Riley in on it as well, uh, have their little mini celebration by giving him a barbersol shower and, and kind of saturating the man with shaving cream. Uh, and once that happens, uh, you see coach Jack McKinney enter in the locker room and he says, you know, you missed the spot. Um, that reminded me of when you're like clowning with your siblings or whatever like that. And you don't notice your uh, mom or dad, you know, come into the room or whatever like that. And y'all are just doing some wild stuff, pause, like, and just like, just kids being kids and then you look up and your dad's just staring at you, you know, not with a look of like distaste or like, like that he's disappointed or anything, but just that stern look, um, uh, no nonsense type of look. That was the look that Jack McKinney had on his face. So they, they move forward. Uh, the scene moves forward to where uh, Pat Riley and Paul Westhead are with Jack McKinney and they're looking to just have kind of a, um, a game shot after game shot of some like whiskey or bourbon or whatever. And funny enough, they're taking it out of Dixie cups, mm -hmm. uh, taking the shots out of Dixie cups. And as they take the shots, um, Pat Riley, I believe says here's to 34. And he's referring to the wins that him and Pat Paul Westhead have together. Um, and Jack McKinney immediately kind of corrects him. And this is where you kind of see the first signs of contention and the first little conflicting energy where Jack McKinney says, don't you mean 40? Um, and, you know, again, uh, in the whole, in the dynamic of the three individuals, Paul Westhead is caught as the middleman. Uh, Jack McKinney is the, um, the old brass, the older brass, of course, mm -hmm. the person that introduced this style of basketball to the team kind of constructed the roster the way that it is and helped to launch uh, what would be known as Showtime. But Pat Riley is the one who's kind of infused Paul Westhead with the confidence that he needs to be the head coach and, and do what he needs to do as head coach um, to propel them to where they've been since Jack McKinney has been out. Um, and so all of these dynamics show 
Um, so you start to see again, kind of a, you know, just a, a, a standoff, if you will, a, a versus, uh, if you will, in the worst way of Jack McKinney versus Pat Riley. Um, as, uh, the scene progresses, they have their shot. Paul Westhead ends up going and catching Jack McKinney alone, apologizing. Um, but before all of that, Jack McKinney does bring up, and this was kind of the first signs of like, uh, that Jack McKinney is kind of, um, bringing his footprint back to the team. But he asks about Spencer Haywood, uh, Wood Harris's character. Mm-hmm. He asks why he's on the bench. Um, you know, uh, prior to that, just as a quick disclaimer, Pat Riley had a conversation with, uh, Wood Harris and with Wood Harris's character, Spencer Haywood regarding his knee and, and kind of self-preservation and taking care of himself, uh, to see, to go and see the trainers about injuries and stuff like that. Um, and to let him know and cement to him, Hey, or lament rather that we need you. Um, we need what you bring to the team off of the bench and your role uh, in order to win a championship. We're going to need you, you know, in order for you to get a ring. Um, so fast forward, Jack McKinney, he then asks uh, why he's coming off the bench. And he follows that up with the fact that, well, I want to see him in game form or in like uh, pretty much in, in an offensive uh, fashion. By the time the playoffs come, he's a uh, you know walking 15 points. We need to see him in in shape, in game shape, or whatnot. And I want pretty much I want him starting, and I want him contributing offensively by the time that the playoffs come. Now, let me uh, ask you a quick question. Now, with this part here, how did it feel to you, like watching Pat Riley give the speech that he gave about, oh, we want to you know go ahead and get that looked at. Uh, letting him feel his need to see it, all the joints and everything disjointed, and then to hear him say, well, you know, Pat roused him saying, you know, da-da-da-da-da. He's like, no, don't worry about it. I want you to do this. How, like, <laughs> what were your thoughts just kind of seeing how they were both playing, and, and, and did you even suspect what Riley was doing when he originally said what he said to him? No, you, you're talking about um, kind of checking for his, like, trade value? Yeah, so essentially, so the scene when they were, um, when he first. Because that would be what I'm saying. Like you're saying, were you bringing up the two different scenes as far as Jack McKinney talking to Spencer Haywood? Yeah, so Jack McKinney talking and then then Riley talking to him too. Because when Riley talked to um, Haywood, he was, originally it felt a lot like he was, you know, hey, I'm I'm acquiescing myself to the team. Um, Right. And and, and, and I to Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, I wanted to kind of slow walk that, but I understand with, with time and stuff like that, we got to get to it because of the, the spacing out in the, it wasn't, it was, it was, I would say it was at the latter first half of the episode, but yeah, I, um, I didn't want to miss too much from the, from that first. Well, I, in other words, I had a question for you with regards to just that first kind of cluster of scenes, mm-hmm. but yeah, to your point, And I had, I had, a little bit more to go into with that whole Pat Riley thing and how it played out. Um, just with, after Pat Riley talks to Spencer, Hay, uh, Spencer Haywood and gives him the, the nod of confidence of what his role is on the team and everything like that. Once Jack McKinney brings up uh, Spencer Haywood and everything, Pat Riley presents something interesting to, to Jack McKinney. Mm-hmm. He, uh, 
really uh, he brings up Bob McAdoo, if you will, uh, and says that um, the that at that time the All Star McAdoo is is pretty much on the on the block and, and available if uh, Spencer Haywood could pass a physical. So that kind of conflicted with what Pat Riley was saying in the locker room to Spencer Haywood um, with regards to his role on the team. So to kind of halfway answer your question, and I'll finish answering it a little bit later, that did show me the business side of the, um, of the association and, and of the, you know, just sports entertainment in general, that you're kind of always expendable, um, you know, and the job of coaches. I always think about the job of professional coaches and NBA coaches and stuff. Cause I always think to myself, well, these guys can play, you know right. what I'm saying? But their job is to massage egos when they need to massage egos to uplift when they need to uplift, to say triggering things to certain guys to get the best performance out of them and the optimum performance out of them as they see fit or as they need it, you know, as it, as it comes, if you will. And, um, that's pretty much, it seems, you know, to me, what Pat Riley was doing. Um, any, any thoughts on, on that yourself, you know, again, before the, before the all-star game scenes. Yeah. So he totally got me. I'm not going (laughs) to, Oh, like threw you off. Oh, without doubt. Um, with the whole, Hey man, you know, I'm, yeah, I want you to see what this feels like and from the whole grabbing the knee and like I said, showing him what it felt like and like, yeah, I just want you to make sure you get that taken care of and get checked out. Da, da, da. I thought maybe he might've been trying to, you know, have him have surgery or, or like really protecting his health. And then like you said, wham, man, I don't know where here he comes. Nah, we, I want to make sure he's good to be treated. So you can pass the physical. Exactly. It, it, it shows the, I don't want to call it manipulative, but it shows the executive. It shows the higher level of thinking that Pat Riley had, even at that early Back stage in, in his career with coaching. Um, and, and, and the greats are always going to show themselves to be great in, in, in that greatness. Absolutely. So shout out to him. So also post game, they show Magic Johnson. Um, and and actually, the I, I like how they did it um, where the uh, – the sportscasters, you see me smiling big ear to ear, but the sportscaster, <laughs> this, this line in the episode, it was just, it was just so dope to me how they, how they did it. But they're like, welcome to 1980. And then you hear cut in any way you want it. That's the way you need it. Any way you want it. And you can see, you know, again, every new decade brings in a new excitement. So whether it's the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, um, the 2000s even with Y2K and stuff like that. Every new decade brings kind of a new excitement and you could see the new excitement that was coming into the 1980s. The beginning, um, it was to me, uh, the children of Woodstock. So the beginning of a sex sells type of uh, society. Um, you know, you see, you see magic coming down, uh, you know, in the, in the back of the arena and stuff like that and fans lined up. He's signing chests, the, the woman's chests and things like right. that. And and then so um, the reporter comes up to him, you know, Magic, uh, how's it feel? You know, you're um, the first rookie to to be voted an all-star since, um, I want to say, what, what was it, Elgin Baylor? Yep, I think so. Okay, so he's like, yeah, Big E, man, that's that's big, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And then 
of course, as reporters do to try to, you know, tries to get under his skin right afterwards and says, you know, you were uh, voted amongst your peers uh, by, you know, only 10 people uh, as far as your, your peers voted for you. And he's like, hey, man, it's just goes to show you these old guys haven't really even seen me play. You know what I'm saying? And then they try to still get under his skin. Nineteen guys voted for Bird. And he's, you know, uh, well, that that's cool. But, you know, I guess I got something to show him and, and just did it in a magic type of way, played it off. But as he's walking away, you kind of see the grit and the grimace in his face that he's not too pleased. And then he shows up in the locker room um, in the same locker room scene that Pat Riley uh, goes to. Spencer Haywood in, but he really confronts the team kind of uh, and says, you know, 10, 10 votes from the players. Well, I got 11 guys that I call my teammates in here. Right. You know what I mean? Like pretty much saying the math isn't adding up. Math um, ain't mathing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is again, one of the things that you could see the, uh, the media side of the game doing its thing, even back then, um, you know what I mean? And, and playing its role to where, Again, the 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 series itself paints a full picture of how how chaotic it could be to be on uh, in an organization, and let alone if if that organization is being successful at the time and stuff, and is the 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 new catch of the week, the hot the hot you know freshman or whatever like that, the the sexy pick of the week, right. and how everybody's going to be looking to either advertently or inadvertently tear it apart, you know, and, right. and kind of have their own, have their own shot at, at tearing it apart or getting their salacious headlines or getting their, you know, <laughs> as we say, clickbait nowadays or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, so, uh, him and Kareem are both voted all-stars. Um, uh, fast forward to Spencer Haywood's home, uh, where they're watching, they're all watching the all-star game. And it kind of brings up to to your point. So Jack McKinney, he's holding Spencer's uh, Spencer's baby in his hand. Uh, the guys are talking locker room talk. He's like, "Hey guys," he earmuffs the baby. You know, you know, watch your language around the kid. This and that. Uh, they bring up that Spencer Haywood's got you know the the new picture of him and his lady on the wall and this and that. There's a pretty <laughs> quick funny moment there. Where his teammates like, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, she's very fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because Spencer Haywood goes like, the human body is beautiful or whatnot, and then you know the guys, yeah, very beautiful, you know. But um, in that pretty much that that scene, Jack McKinney's like uh, to Spencer Haywood, hey, I want to take the baby to the jungle gym out back or whatever, you know. Why don't you come with me? And as soon as he says that, Pat Riley sees uh, that you know something fishy going on. You already feel like. You know, you're being undermined. What you what you've been building and stuff like that mm-hmm. from that con- from that one conversation with Jack McKinney, if you're Pat Riley, is 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 set to be undermined, and you could kind of start seeing the seeds of that start to grow. Uh, so Jack McKinney takes Spencer Haywood out back, starts speaking to him. Um, as you were alluding to, that that's still in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Right. So as you were alluding to earlier. And speaking to him, you know, hey, pretty much giving his 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 uh sales pitch. We need you, we need you uh, scoring. We need your offensive input. You know, I need you on that floor. And uh, I guess they affectionately call Paul Westhead Professor. 
So he says, yeah, man, Professor and Riles, they not, they not feeling that, you know, they don't, they, they saying they singing a different tune pretty much. He's like, ah, but it's me. I'm talking, you know right. what I mean? I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Coach McKinney's talking to you. And then he kind of drops the seed on him and, don't, and don't worry about those, those trade rumors that you're hearing. That he so, hadn't been hearing. And, and the only reason Mc, I said, said that, that he, he, Spencer hadn't even heard it yet. It was actually a exactly. conversation uh, that you mentioned earlier that he, that they had in, in the coach's office. Um, exactly. Right at the same time that he told um, the professor, nah, he's done. I only trust you. Um, he's right. There's no space for, uh, that's a great point. Riley on our up. team. I only want you. I trust you. So. And also while he took, uh, Spencer Haywood out back, Pat Riley, then, you know, goes to Paul Westhead and, you know, Hey, have you heard anything from, from Jack yet? Because, and he's kind of going into it and, and painting that picture. There's not a lot of teams around the league right now that have two assistant coaches on the bench. Um, does, has he mentioned how he's going to make that work, how it's going to look. And as you stated, the professor had already had that conversation with Jack and Jack pretty much told him, you need to go ahead and break it to him sooner than later that as soon as I'm back, he's gone or whatnot. Again, pitting, uh, Paul Westhead as the middleman and forcing him with the tough decisions to, to make and, uh, having to, you know, break that type of news to, to one Pat Riley that, like as we spoke about a couple weeks ago, uh, gave his all and, and really dropped everything to to help and and um, you know and to to help build up what they had. Uh, so he's out back. He says that to Spencer Haywood. Pat Riley looks at him as he lights a cigarette through the window and, um, and gives him kind of a nod. You know, uh, I thought that was bizarre. You know, always giving somebody <laughs> a second what's up while you like clearly already like kicking it and stuff like that. What's up? That's always odd. Yeah, what's like, up? hey, yeah. What's like, up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, as everybody's leaving the house, they have a big blow up and uh, you get one of these iconic Wood Harris scenes where you see why he's such a great actor and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you come in here, you want to smile on my baby's face, you want to drink my beer. You know what I'm saying? And, um, YouTube, and, uh, and he's like, uh, what team is that that you're talking about? Uh, whenever uh, Pat Riley says, you know, thanks for the hospitality that you showed to me and the team tonight. You know, what, what team is that that you're talking about? You know, and, um, and essentially, again, he saw the writing on the wall or who did it. So my question was, like, do you think Jack had, you know, that conversation was furthered as far as with the rumor talk? where Jack ends up saying something along the lines of like, yeah, you know, Pat shared it with me or something, or that was something that you could see as a, as an athlete or the only people that this would come from, if this was a rumor or the only people that would allow this to be a rumor that I'm on a trading block would be the coaches or, you know what I mean? Or the GM. You know, I think it, it was something that he, he kind of drew the lines himself. He, uh, the coach gave him enough to, to pick up the pieces and draw that line, knowing that Pat had just recently had him, you know, going to get checked out and everything. He he insinuated gotcha. it enough to be oh, like, oh, as a player, yeah, you you especially a sense. veteran player, um, exactly. who had been around for as long as he is, as Spence had, he knew what it was, and so he he kind of expected it, and or not, I want to say expected it, but he drew those lines of symmetry real quick. So, yeah, the the now it, I'm glad that you know that you and I have this, this time to kind of talk about the show together because now it makes sense 
Well, first of all, it, it, it started to make sense when you said it earlier, as far as the, the talk about the physical and getting your knee healthy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But now it makes sense to where Spencer Haywood and his veteranship, like as, as far as him being a veteran and stuff like that, kids see the writing on the wall and put two and two together. If you're talking to me about my health so vehemently. Right. And, and you're, you know what I mean? You're so, um, you're so stamped, like you, you, he was so locked in on getting healthy, getting healthy, getting healthy. That could only be for one of a couple of things. Right. So, and, you, and he, he's you, probably seen it before in that type of way, in that fashion. Exactly. And even if you flash back to the scene itself, he was, when he asked, Hey, so how's that knee doing? Um, Pat Raleigh did. And, he, and Spencer was like, Oh, it's good. You know, I'm just pushing through there. He's like, no, 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 no. Listen, how's it doing? And you can see that he was hesitant to even open up to Rouse. But uh, he, he let, again, he let him touch his knee or whatever pause to, to kind of show what the damage could be like. And kind of he he drew some symmetry towards your journey, my journey, me being a former player. I get it. And and he he broke down a barrier because at that point, Spencer didn't want to trust him. He was looking at him as a coach. And, and, and I think that's why the anger was even at the level that it was at that party, because he felt betrayed. Not so much so because of the business of it, but because of the aspect on how it was. You 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 come to me looking and saying, hey, I want to check and make sure you're good because it's something that it could ruin your career or it could limit your life afterwards, da 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 But when in reality, you had alternate hopes. You, you were looking to trade me the whole yeah. time. Like, if it was that, come and be a man to me. And like, say, yo, we're thinking about doing this. This is what it is. Be a man. It is a business. And I think even with common day players as long as there's that level, we talked about it just a moment ago with the Panthers. As long as that communication is there, you're, you're at least heading in the right direction for them telling the Panthers, yeah. telling, um, hey, we might draft it. We're likely going to draft the quarterback. He could have said, hey, we're thinking about this. Are you good? Da, 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 where are you at with that? But he took a completely different route and actually manipulated him. So, again, that anger that he felt during that time was um, yeah. pretty, pretty, you know, well drawn. It was so, and it was so damaging to Spencer Haywood that. He goes back into the house and unfortunately, as we've seen with so many of our other brothers and sisters in the 80s, this was 1980, uh, but went to the drugs, goes to the pipe. Yeah. We'll just say that thing, but (laughs) straight hard drugs. Yeah. Yeah, So he went, he went straight Richard Pryor on us and um, ah, it's just a sad scene. It was a sad scene, man. I had my boy, uh, Dope Digitals. He texted me just a shaking of the head emoji. This was right when I was getting back from Houston. I didn't see the show yet, but mm. once I saw the show, it all made sense of why he was texting me that. But yeah, it was, it was a sad thing. He had a, had a rock in his boot and, and pulled it out. And um, so then you you fast forward to across town, you know, and just to give a little backstory on that, had Jeannie Bus driving his grandmother back from the hospital the grandmother is just being the grandma and uh she pretty much essentially tells Jeannie that you know she still has cancer that the cancer is not going away which surprises Jeannie they end up back at the penthouse or the whatever condo that they're in and they watching the game over there Jerry Buss and and Jeannie and, and the grandmother as they're watching the game they're drinking champagne eating a bunch of Kentucky fried chicken as uh <laughs> Um, Dr. Bus asked Jeannie for the refills and stuff like that. She kind of gets lightheaded because she's tasked with holding this secret in and everything like that. And everything kind of overwhelms her, her father's, um, 
you know, lifestyle, if you will, Playboy lifestyle, all flashes before eyes. She ends up throwing up. Uh, as she throws up, you know, you got um, grandma cleaning up and stuff like that. Dr. Bus kind of gets a peek of her wig slipping off and, and seeing that she's still kind of losing hair and stuff like that. Um, but nevertheless, they were watching the All-Star game from there. And then the other uh, perspective of the All-Star game was actually at the All-Star game uh, where you see Magic. Um, again, of course, Kareem was an all-star, but this was a, a time where your idols become your your right your idols become your rivals. Yep. Uh, where he kind of he, he meets Dr. J for the first time. He has Cookie on his arm. Life is good. Um, they meet up. We talk a little bit. All-star game happens. Opening scene of the all-star game. Dr. J's dunking on Kareem and posterizing him. Um, after that, they had Larry Bird. You know hitting the winning three-point shot or whatnot. Um, I don't want to skip over too fast, but post-All-Star game festivities and, and press conference and stuff, uh, Magic comes back in the hotel room or wherever it is that him and him and Cookie are staying, and she's packing up her things vehemently, and she's uh, clearly upset. So this is a callback to one of our other episodes. You called it. I was looking for you for comp- to you for confirmation with regards to one of his side dips and honeys, but it truly was her homegirl Rhonda um, that he was, you know, seeing in Lansing, and uh, she claims that she's pregnant. Dum dum dum. And yeah, the face, <laughs> the face of magic. I could, I could feel the brother's pain. I, I kind of cursed <laughs> with him as he cursed on screen. Many brothers so have was, been in that position. It's just a lose-lose situation yeah. all around, like where you're caught red-handed, but then it gets worse. Like when you think it can't get any worse, but wait, it gets worse. there's more. Right. So he has that to deal with. So it's great writing, um, especially how they sped everything up. Um, just to keep everything flowing and stuff like that. After the All-Star festivities, again, Dr. J, that rapport is built. They actually, him and his lady meet Cookie. Um, so when they... When the Lakers go to play the 76ers, um, they actually ask, you know, about Cookie and they, they go to take Dr. J out. Excuse me, Dr. J goes to take Magic out for dinner and stuff like that. So this was another um, great, a great uh, point that Jerry West makes later on that pretty much Dr. J massaged uh, the situation and, and manipulated it as well to kind of get magic's guards down to at the end of the day when you know we're winning was winning was the important thing in other words because the, the sixers ended up getting a w over over them what do you think about that that whole you know scene and stuff it, it 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 reveals the the mentality that a lot of those players had when by any means necessary if that means oh i gotta come and i gotta kill you i gotta be an assassin or if it means hey let's be friends let's go hang out now your guard is down and whop from the tip off he stole the ball and, and it was balling on top of him man so it definitely goes to show that uh certain some of those wily veterans like him, dr jays of the world we're definitely a, a, about that win in life, man. I, I think it, right. it, it, it it planted a seed that we then see in one of the next scenes with uh, Jerry West and Magic talking about, oh, you're smiling and you're happy all the time, but do you want to win? And 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 just the conversation that they had, man, was it, it, it felt like that was something that sparked the connection between the two of them that kind of 
led to what the Lakers became, um, especially think, with their leadership. Yeah, I think, again, with leading up to this point, Magic never had seen any uh, any reason not to smile, if you will. Right. And the first couple of reasons, quote unquote, not to smile was the situation with Cookie and Rhonda. And so now you're dealing with that. Now you've been handed a loss by Dr. J and you see him smiling in your locker room, coming into the locker room after the win and talking to you, you know, having still having personal conversation and stuff about your lady and everything like that. No, you just beat me. You know, right. like, I don't want to talk to you. So that fire, that competitive nature, you could kind of see where it's built up from because of those series of events that that kind of occurred where it's like, all right, now nah, I know what I'm here for. Right now, I'm now I'm be all I'm focused. Now, I'm locked in. Eggs, <laughs> eggs, blackly, eggs, blackly. So that's really where we end off at um, him and Jerry West talking and him and him pretty much lamenting to Jerry West. No, like, I want to win. I want to win, you know. And and affirming it to itself more so than Jerry West. Mm-hmm. Over, so. Overall, like you said, a really great episode, man. This this the show ought to win an award, but we keep saying it. So when it does, but a lot of folks Speaking can't be of, surprised, man. There has been a lot of stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. Jerry West, the real Jerry West, is not happy at all. Um, of course, Kareem, I think wrote he wrote a, a column or an article about it. Um, but Jerry West is definitely not happy. He's threatening to take it to the Supreme Court um, <laughs> as far as his likeness and, and things like that being misrepresented. So it, it's got to be good if it's if it's forcing this type of right you know, outside stuff. Hit dogs going to holler. There's smoke, fire, all of that. <laughs> Everything is applicable to say, sir, it probably happened. If not to the extent and degree, it still probably happened. Uh, if you did notice, there's also a... Another one, uh, uh, basically a real life a testament of the, On the way. yeah, coming from them too. And I think they sped up production a little bit because of the momentum um, that's been coming from this show. And so folks wanting to hear the quote, the real story as opposed to the sensationalized version. But nonetheless, I'm entertained <laughs> at this point. I'm, I'm, Very I'm much watching so. every week. And so again, it's winning time. Rise of the Showtime Lakers available on HBO and HBO Max. You guys check it out every win, uh, every Sunday and in the recaps every Wednesday night with us. Well, High Star, uh, good show today, bro. Uh, anything you want to highlight to people before we go? Yeah, two things real quick. Shout out to those guys uh, on Winning Time for bagging all of those ladies with those jacked up hairlines that they had. Oh, my but also, um, <laughs> shout out to you, Big Cliff. So one of the first episodes that you finally conceded and did not bring the Lakers up um, all episode. Now, you brought up LeBron. That's fine. It was his heat days. But kudos, man. Either you, you held off until winning time to even bring up the Los Angeles Lakers. So we appreciate that. Dog, I, I ain't got nothing, man. You, you, you got that off. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk. Tune in next week when we talk all about the Los Angeles Lakers. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk or on the Sports Talk line cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. You can also check us out on our Facebook group, Carolina Sports Talk Talk Back. Until next time, peace.